Amplified Translation. That's all I teach from. May not be what your Bible says, but it's what mine says. Text I just read, Jesus scolds the Jews for their ability to discern the weather, but not the signs telling them the Messiah stood in their midst. Might Jesus make a similar statement today regarding Christians and pastors who remain blind to the numerous prophetic indicators of the last days that abound all around us? I believe he would. The prophetic signs of our day resemble a storm warning. The darkening clouds on the horizon point to the nearness of the time when the four horses of the Revelation 6, 1 through 8, will burst out, on their stall, out of their stalls and gallop across the earth. For us believers, the black clouds on the horizon signal the nearness of Jesus' appearing. Pre-tribulation believers say we will be in heaven with Jesus when he opens the seals. The mid-tribbers and the post-tribbers believe something different. I'm not going to get into that today. There is so much that people have reasonings why they believe in mid-tribulation and post-tribulation, and there are millennialists and pan-millennialists. You know what a pan-millennialist is? It says it's all going to pan out in the end anyway. So I'm not going there today. God will let us know in the end which one was correct. I'll wait until then. The first one we have to deal with coming out of that stall is that white horse with the rider that conquers. The rider on the white horse in Revelation 6-2 may be the Antichrist or someone who conquers in advance of his tyrannical rule over the nations. The lack of an arrow in the bow indicates the rider may conquer without use of military might. In other words, he just may be a great orator. He may be able to negotiate deals and put things together, make things happen without using force. And I looked and I saw a white horse whose rider carried a bow, and the crown was given him, and he rode forth conquering and to conquer. He had a crown, but it wasn't the crown that Jesus will wear. Klaus Schwab, I never heard of this guy before, the founder and head of the World Economic Forum, abbreviated WDEF, provides us with an example of someone wielding considerable clout without an army. Support for his radical Great Reset comes from leaders from all across the world. I recently watched a video where he bragged that Emmanuel Macron of France and Justin Trudeau of Canada, boo, had been to his leadership school along with half of Canada's cabinet. And you can actually go online and you can watch that meeting. The following world leaders took part via a video conference in the recent Davos Agenda 2022 sponsored by the WDF and Klaus Schwab moderated all the sessions. Listen to the list of these people who attended that Great Reset teaching. Xi Jinping, People's Republic of China. John Kerry, boo. The U.S. Special Presidential Envoy of Climate. Janet Yellen, Secretary of the Treasury. U.N. Secretary General Antonio Guterres. Indonesian President Yoko Widodo. Australian Prime Minister Scott Morrison. Japanese Prime Minister Kishida Fumio. Yemi Osabayo, Vice President of Nigeria, Carlos Alvarado Casada, President of Costa Rica, 
Jose Pedro Castillo Terrones, President of the Republic of Peru, Olaf Scholz, Germany's new federal chancellor, Brian Monaghan, Chairman and CEO of the Bank of America, European Commission President Ursula von der Leyen. I'm not saying that Klaus Schwab will be the rider on the white horse. I do not believe he will be the one. However, the worldwide support he has garnered for his vision of a one-world communist government certainly lays a foundation for the future rider of the white horse to work with. When you have someone like that, with that kind of clout, that kind of power, that's what the Antichrist will manage. This is a preparation, folks, for being led by a false Christ, an anti-Christ. Klaus is already showing that this is possible. He's not the only one. We have world leaders all over the world who are leading their people down a false path, a path that only leads to destruction. And the world reset is the total goal. We have really well-known people right up in Seattle in a famous building with a computer person sitting behind it that we all know, probably all use. Bill's made a fortune out of it. But he's, he's an evil man. He's an evil man. And I tell you that we have those people scattered throughout the world that are going to cause this world to destruct. The next horse out of the barn is the red horse that signifies war. We don't know about any wars going on, do we? The Apostle John described a second horse and rider in Revelation 6, 4. And he said, I, and I looked and I saw a white horse whose rider carried a bow and a crown was given him and he rode forth conquering and to conquer. And another horse came out flaming red and its rider was empowered to take the peace from the earth so that men slaughtered one another and he was given a huge sword. The guy on the white horse didn't have a bow or didn't have an arrow in his bows. The guy on the red horse was a killer. He had the power to kill, and he was given a sword. And it's clear right now that what we see in our world shouts loudly that this horse is about to romp through the earth. Consider just a few of the hotspots in our world that might explode into much larger conflicts. And I'm purposely going to bypass for the moment Ukraine. I'll get back to it. Some fear that the rising hostilities between the U.S. and Russia related to the conflict in Ukraine might cause Putin to launch an attack on American soil. Maybe atomic, maybe cyber. Iran continues to pour missiles and weapons along with many soldiers into Syria. Turkey and Russia also have significant military presence there. And all of that is very close to Israel. China continues to threaten Taiwan by sending warplanes toward the island nation. War rages on the Arabian Peninsula between the Iranian-backed Houthi, Houthi in Yemen and the moderate Arab states of Saudi Arabia and the United Arab Emirates, to name a few. I don't think we're at the time when this horse will leave its stall. 
But that'll happen after the rapture. However, it seems clear that the stages are being set for major wars across the planet. Now, I'm going to take a break from the normal teaching here, and I want to discuss with you Russia's war in the Ukraine. <clears throat> How many of you heard the theory that the Ukraine-Russia Ukraine, uh, situation could be biblical and lead us into the Ezekiel 38-39 war? Anybody? It's all over. Everybody's thinking about it. But I'm going to tell you something. I don't think so, and here's why. Throughout some of the wastelands of social media and torrents of ridiculous religious fever, some well-meaning Christians are drawing false connections between the Russian war on Ukraine and biblical prophecy. Biblical images such as Gog and Magog invading armies from the north, visions of rapture and proclamations of Armageddon dominate the presumed predictions of prophetic potential. You hear this all over the, the social media and the news stations and the stations that broadcast Christian broadcasting. It's something to talk about. It's good, good fodder for conversation, but it's not biblical. This unholy invasion of Ukraine has nothing to do with God, the Bible, or authentic Christian faith. My friends, it's an act of demonic power. And if anyone disputes the fact that demons rule this earth, go back and read the Bible. This is, this is not the domain that they don't rule. They rule in this domain. And we're, this is not our home. I love the song, this is not my home, I'm just passing through because my treasures are laid up beyond the blue. Attempting to superimpose prophetic words of Revelation, Ezekiel, Daniel, or any other foretelling record of Scripture in terms of the current crisis in the Ukraine is understandable. The war is not only frightening, but the overt threat of nuclear annihilation by Russia and its ruthless dictator, and the implications are very threatening. As Christians, we are rightly taught to turn to Scripture for comfort and wisdom in times of uncertainty and doubt. For many, seeing the rapidly unfolding horror of Putin's evil military insurgents into an innocent and sovereign nation compels us to want to believe, want to believe that somehow it can be God's will, that God is using this profound evil to bring about God's glorious plan of salvation and that God will finally usher in the long-awaited union of heaven and earth in glory of the risen Christ. Such thinking is dangerously idolatrous and does nothing to serve faithful Christianity. That's one, two paragraphs of seven pages of very wise men who have responded to this question. How many of you know who uh, Amir Tsafarti is? Just a few of you. Amir Tsafarti had a question and answer set with a Calvary Chapel pastor, Barry Stagner, and they answered this question extremely well. Don't fall into the trap of getting caught up in the conspiracy. This is not the stage for the Ezekiel 38-39 war. It may be a precursor. We might be getting a taste of what it might be like, but it's not the Ezekiel 38-39 war. There's just too many things that are out of place before that happens. Every war is not prophesied in Scripture. We haven't seen the Psalm 83 war yet because there's different players. These are players that are right close to Israel, right around their back door. We haven't seen that yet. 
Bill Solis wrote a beautiful book about the Psalm 83 war. It identifies who, where, when, why, and what. But we're not there yet. The First World War, the Second World War, Korean War, you name it, they were not part, Vietnam War, I don't want to leave any of my, our vets out, any of you who served in any of those wars, they were not prophesied in the scripture. They were people demonically oriented. It was for land, money, or power. That's what wars are about. So now I'll move on from that. And if any of you would like to look at any of the information that I've got, I'm more than happy to send it to you via email and you can read it for yourself. It's all there. <clears throat> I was going to go over Russia's attack on the Ukraine and I had about a paragraph written when I started pre preparing this message for you. But it's gone so far now and it's been on the news so much. Anyone who is not interested, just hasn't been paying attention, that's fine. You don't want to hear it today. And if you are interested, you've already heard it day in and day out from multiple sources, from virtually every news station with their own take on it. Now, I happen to be a conservative, and I think most of you might be, and my conservative beliefs are somewhat different than what you'll find on ABC, NBC, the, the alphabet stations. I prefer to get my news from Newsmax or, or OAN. At least they're factual. But if you want to get your news really factual, get the straight facts, go on beholdisrael.org and listen to the updates that Amir puts, puts out. He's great. He's a Mossad, former Mossad um, uh, in, intelligence officer. He has a great number of contacts all around the world, and he keeps things coming across his website and his uh, stations that you don't hear on the regular news. Some of you are on Telegram with him. Is, uh, that's his uh, social media station, and it's full every day. There's probably 50, 60 posts a day of things that he posts that you'll never hear anywhere else. So, enough about the red horse. The black horse of a great economic turmoil. Another alarm bell that should be going off in everybody's mind right now. The alarm bells are sounding for the great economic turmoil that will come on the heels of the black horse, pictured in Revelation 6, 5, and 6. And the word says, When he broke open the third seal, I heard the third living creature call out, Come and look, and I saw, and behold, a black horse. And in his hand the rider held a pair of scales. And I heard what seemed to be a voice from the midst of the four living creatures saying, a quart of wheat for a denarius, which is a whole day's wages, and three quarts of barley for a denarius, but do not harm, harm the oil and the wine. The conditions described above are basically the great inflation where a quart of wheat, which is what's necessary for a day of substance, took, which is a small amount, by the way, would cost an entire day's wages. This is extreme inflation. Many economists warn that trouble lies ahead for the world in the form of a depression that will be much worse than what happened in the 1930s. Now, contrary to belief, I was not alive during the Great Depression. <laughs> I'm old, but I'm not that old. However, my father and my grandfather, 
told me stories of the times that they had during that Great Depression. People were selling apples for a nickel to try and get enough to survive on. My dad and my uncle both could not stay at home. They had to go to work for the government in a, what they call the Civilian Conservation Corps, and they cut fire trails in the woods, and they were paid measly wages, which is about enough to sustain life. That was the Great Depression. <clears throat> We've never experienced anything like that since I've been alive. I've gone through the World Wars, not the first one, the second one, um, Vietnam, Korea, you name it. I've been through all those. This country has never experienced anything like it. But we will. You experienced in your grocery store and at the gas station. I filled up my tank today and I looked at the, I thought, that can't be right. I'm, it must be pumping off to the other car next to me. <laughs> Just amazing. A little tank, $50. I, I don't know what people do who drive great big trucks with 100-gallon tanks. Ugh. Michael Snyder, who often writes about the dire state of the U.S. economy, recently sounded an alarm about the inflation numbers for December 2021. You all heard them. They were 7.5%. Everybody's going, oh, we've never had anything like that in 40 years. Consumer price index has been changed. <clears throat> He wrote a book called The Dollar Has Entered a Death Spiral and, many, and a lot more inflation is on the way. So I wondered how much more and what are we be really being told? So I went and looked online, you can do this, all of you can verify everything I say. Go to Investopedia and this is what it says. For several years there's been a controversy about whether the consumer price index overstates or understates inflation. How it is measured and whether or not an appropriate proxy, a proxy for inflation, noting that some critics see the current inflation statement as a purposeful manipulation that allows the U.S. government to report a lower consumer price insect, insect index <laughs> and uh, uh, therefore a healthier economy. So I wanted to know, what are they talking about? How does the government, who would never lie to us, <laughs> how do they manipulate this? Well, 1980, there was what they call a basket of consumer goods. Out of that basket of consumer goods, that's where the price index came. And they figured this basket cost this much. And they itemized each one of these things. And at that time, it was 13.5% in 1980. 13.5%. All of you can remember 1980, except the really young ones, right? But in, 19, in 2021, they have eliminated a huge number of those items from the basket. Now, if you have fewer numbers in the basket and you can select which ones are which, you can figure out which ones only rose a smaller amount. In other words, they're lying to us, folks. If we use the same basket of goods as was used in 1980, 
our inflation today would be 14.5%. 14.5%. Some things you ladies know, I don't do shopping very much. If it isn't frozen or out of a can, I don't eat it. But <laughs> hey, that's what happens when you become a widower. Um, guys, hang on to your wives, right? Um, but here's the truth. I only see what I see. But I hear people say, I cannot believe the price of eggs. I cannot believe the price of chicken. Well, I don't know what, if it doesn't come in a can, it's only a different can of chicken, that's all. <laughs> but I feel it when I go to figure out how much I'm spending at the grocery store because, folks, I have gained tremendous amount of strength. Because when I was younger, it took two arms to carry $25 worth of groceries out, and now I can carry it out with one hand. <laughs> lot, lot stronger now. <laughs> this is truly the beginning of the US economy and, and on a down, down run, and I would recommend that you do some things to prepare accordingly. We, some of us went and took the Dave Ramsey course, smart guy, bankrupt at one time, now he's a multimillionaire, and he does such a great job in helping people get out of debt and learn how to manage their money. Well, the first thing he says about managing your money is whatever you get, give 10% away. Give 10% to the Lord. That is key to success number one. Then he says, take 10% and putting it away for yourself, for your retirement, and live on 80% of what you make. Well, some people have trouble doing that. Here's the key. You're going to have to. I think we're going to find ourselves in a position where you, what you saved up is what you might be feeding yourself with. So I recommend... Do any of you remember Victory Gardens from the Second World War? Probably not. Grow what you eat as much as you can. I heard somebody talking about one of the things they'd like to have is a chicken and a cow and a, all this kind of stuff. That's great. That's great. But they eat too. <laughs> Remember that. If you want to work this out, you'll find somebody else who's got chickens and cows and eat theirs. <laughs> Grocery bills are going to keep going higher, so if you can, take some extra money and buy extra groceries. Our, our Mormons have taught us a lesson. They have a year's food supply stocked away. So if you know a Mormon during the times when it gets bad, go make friends with him. <laughs> I'm just saying, you know, survival 101. Put some money in the bank, as long as you can trust your bank, which may not be much longer. I really highly recommend that some very simple things be taken into consideration. If food prices are going to go up 20% next year and you want to make 20% on your money, buy the food today. Simple economic principle. If it's, you've already paid for it, you've already got a 20% return on next year's money. Give it a shot. I believe the Lord will continue to sovereignly hold back the worst of the economic disasters until after the rapture. I hope that's the case. 
and he's already done that in a great extent for us already. Please know, however, that it's only a matter of time before the turmoil explodes in the U.S. and brings the world's economy down with it. And this has already begun to happen. When you see trillions, trillions of debt, trillions of dollars being spent every year, every six months by progressive Democrats who want to give more money away than we could possibly possibly do anything but print. Every dollar that's printed extra de devalues the dollar that's already in your pocket. That $20 bill in your pocket will soon be worth 20 cents. Trust me. It, they said it can't happen. I've already been in three countries where it has. Greece it has happened in. I was in Mexico uh, several years ago and I got 20 pesos to a dollar. It's a nickel. A nickel. They used to be almost equal with the United States. Dollar for dollar, peso for peso. It's not true anymore. They've devalued. Germany, my dear friend from Germany over here, she can remember the days perhaps when the, when the mark was worth a whole lot more than it is today. I was in Germany and I remember when the mark was much more valuable than it is today. Because money doesn't stagnate. It, it is not a stagnant. It will fluctuate with inflation and the economy. We have a good economy, things are roaring, inflation comes back. And when it comes back, it comes back sometimes with a vengeance where everybody knows it and sometimes it sneaks up on you. It's sneaking up on us right now in your food, in your groceries. And remember, everything that you get to the store comes from a truck and it flows on fuel. And there's no electric power and there's no generator that keeps running that truck like little mice in a wheel. It has to have fuel. Fuel prices go up, food prices go up. Everything goes up. And the more you curtail the fuel that's available in the country, the law of supply and demand takes over. You demand more from a lesser supply, you're going to pay a higher price. So find a truck driver where it's parked next door and get your gas from his trucks. <laughs> you truck drivers don't want to hear that, do you? <laughs> the next horse is the pale horse of death. When the Lord opens the fourth seal, death envelopes the world as never before in human history. And here's what the Bible says. <clears throat> so I looked, and behold, the ashy pale horse, black and blue as if made so by bruising, and the rider's name was Death, and Hades, the realm of the dead, followed him closely, and they were given authority and power over a fourth part of the earth to kill with the sword and with famine and with plague, pestilence and disease, and with wild beasts of the earth. One-fourth of the world's current population would amount to close to two billion people. The great wars and famine of the future will result in death toll not seen since the Genesis flood. And the previous riders will con contribute to this enormously high death toll. Now, there's a balance in there, you know. If your supply and demand is part of the problem, you either have to increase the supply or reduce the demand. If you kill off a fourth of the people, you reduce the demand effectively. However, that's not the way the fourth of the people that are chosen would think about it. 
we would not worry about it. As Christians, we're not going to be here. I happen to be a pre-tribber. Those mid-tribbers and, and post-tribbers, they can stay here if they want to. I want to leave. <laughs> According to Revelation 6, 8, the worst is yet to come, and I can't imagine the horror, the horror that will be left during the tribulation. We don't want to be here, folks. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and accept that in your life today and live it day by day, you'll be here. You'll be here. Not what you want to do, but what you will do. So, there is good news. Hasn't sounded so far, has it? Anybody heard any good news so far? Only if you live next door to a Mormon or a truck driver. <laughs> I cannot finish on such a woeful note as this enormously high death toll, which will occur early in the uh, part of the day of the Lord. For those of us who know Jesus as our Savior, our anticipation is most decidedly not the Lord's wrath that will soon fall on this world. Ours is the blessed hope. The Jews have their blessed hope. Unfortunately, the Jews' blessed hope is for the new Jerusalem. Our blessed hope is the rapture of the church. We'll both be right, but there'll be a time lag in between. Titus 2, 1, 2 11 through 14, excuse me, Titus 2, 11 through 14 says, For the grace of God, his unmerited favor and blessing has come forward for the deliverance from sin and the eternal salvation for all mankind. It has trained us to reject and renounce all ungodliness, irreligion, and worldly passionate desires and to live discreet, temperate, self-controlled, upright, devout, spiritually whole lives in this present world, awaiting and looking for the fulfillment, the realization of our blessed hope, even the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Christ Jesus, the Messiah, the Anointed One, who gave himself on our behalf that he might redeem us, he could purchase our freedom from all iniquity and purify for himself a people to be peculiar his own, people who are eager and enthusiastic about living a life that is good and filled with beneficial deeds. Think for a minute <clears throat> or two about that anticipation of the Lord's appearing to take us home to a place he's prepared for us, according to John 14, 1 through 3. I'm, I'm old. I'm getting so close that whether the Lord comes and raptures me or I just go home, I'm going to be there before most of you, unless you drive crazy or get caught next to that Mormon's house. Do not let your hearts be troubled or distressed or agitated. You believe in and adhere to and trust and rely on God. Believe in and adhere to and trust in me. In my Father's house there are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you. For I'm going away to prepare a place for you, and when I go, I make a place ready for you. I will come back again and take you to myself that where I am, you may be also. That's a promise. That's one of those yea and amen promises. He will be there and take us home. 
and we will not go through the tribulation. That's another promise. He, we were not saved for the wrath. But there is coming a time. And I don't know whether that rapture will happen tomorrow, today, next week, next month, next year. You know, if you follow the Jewish calendar and the Jewish thinking, God created the earth in seven day, or six days and the seventh he rested. Each day with the Lord is a like a thousand years. According to the Jewish calendar, we are in year 5700. Now, if we're in 5700, maybe we have a couple hundred years more before the Lord comes, or maybe not. But in the year 6000, it's going to be over in the Jewish calendar because the Bible says that if you follow that Jewish calendar, it's over. Who do we leave behind? How many of you have children that are four or five years old that will be looking forward to the blessed hope? The great-grandchildren. I have great-grandchildren. I never thought I would have anything after I passed the age of 30 because I wasn't going to live past then. Jesus is our future, not the coming time of the tribulation that will soon overtake the world. For those of us in Christ, the storm warning signifies the need to hold the things of this life loosely. Get rid of stuff you don't need. You can't take it with you. There are no, there are no moving vans behind the hearse, I promise you. If you don't need it today, someone, my son handed me a box of stuff, said, he said, Dad, you haven't seen this stuff in a year. What do you want to do with it? I said, throw it out. If I haven't seen it in a year, I don't need it. And it doesn't make any difference what's in the box. It's not important to my life today. Get rid of it. We hold on to life loosely knowing that we, we, we may soon be in the presence of our Savior. No one knows the day or the hour, but the clouds on the horizon tell us it's very close. We are living in biblical times. We are living where we see more things happening, more things coming together now than we've seen in previous times. And I remember my grandmother and my grandfather, good, good Baptist people saying, the Lord's going to come before we die. And he didn't. They both passed on. My, great -grandma, my grandmother on my mother's side said the same thing. I probably will not die. I'm going to probably just be raptured. And she died. I may see the Lord come and take me in a rapture, or I may die. But you know what? He's coming in spite of what happens to you or me or the timing. God's timing is not man's timing. He's coming when he's ready. And even Jesus said, I don't even know when he's coming. Only the Father. Be ready. If you're listening to this and haven't turned to Jesus in faith, now is the time to heed the storm warnings and run to the Savior who promotes eternal life to all who call upon him. There is no better time to accept the Lord as your personal Savior than when you are called and told and the Holy Spirit says, now is your time. Shall we pray?
Father God, thank you for this message. Thank you for the time we've shared together. Lord, I just pray if there's anyone, anyone here or through the social medias that we're connected to that does not know you as, your, as their personal Savior, that they might make that commitment right now to accept you, accept your grace, accept your love, accept your forgiveness. Call upon your name and accept Jesus into their life as Lord and Savior. We thank you for the gift of prophecy that's history in advance. We know that just as the prophecies of the past were completed, literally, the prophecies of the future will be completed, literally, just as you've said. Now be with us all as we depart. Keep us thinking about these things. Keep us growing in your love. In Jesus' name, amen.